Hi, this is Dr. Julie Osborne. Welcome to my CBT podcast. So glad if you're a new listener, I'm welcoming you for the first time. Or if you're a repeat listener, I appreciate you being back. So I hope everybody's doing well, continuing to be safe and taking good care of yourself during this difficult time with the pandemic. And hopefully we'll be getting past this sooner than later. But I appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen and I have a great topic today that I think everybody will be really interested in. But first, I wanted to just talk about a new listener I have that's over in Japan. So this is a pen pal I've had since I was in first grade. Her name's Hideko. And I just got an email from her yesterday saying she's been able to listen to it. And so I have a listener over in Japan, which makes me really excited. And um, it's great to still have that contact with her and really special that we've stayed friends all these years since she's gone back to Japan. So. Um, Anyway, sending my shout outs to Hideko and her family, and let's get into my topic for today. So what I'm going to talk about is dealing with a passive aggressive partner. So I want to talk about what that actually means, and I think a lot of us will be able to relate, or maybe it'll give you some insight into a relationship you're in that you don't even understand what's going on. So I remember Dr. Phil gave a really good analogy that I share all the time that Dealing with someone who's passive aggressive is like nailing jello to the wall. <laughs> what that means is it's really hard to get them to see what they're doing because they wiggle their way out of it all the time. And it's just a really frustrating type of relationship. So, passive aggressive falls in if you think about, you know, someone who's passive, right? Who doesn't say much, holds things in, doesn't express how they're feeling. And then you have someone aggressive. Right, who might be an angry person, yells, shouts, might get physical sometimes. Um, you know, aggressive can be all different things, but we're talking more about communication. So then you have the middle is being assertive. And then you have the two opposite ends that come together, which is passive aggressive. And so that's what I'm going to focus on today. It's a really difficult relationship to be in, and not that things can't get better, which we will talk about that as well and how the cognitive behavioral therapy fits in all of this, of course. But let's talk about what passive-aggressive partner is and what the behavior is, I should say, as well. And, you know, anger expressed covertly is both frustrating and destructive to a relationship. So anger is not a bad thing. It's how it's expressed, remember. So I also have a podcast called I'm Pissed. If you want to go back, which talks about anger and anger management. So again, it's not that you don't want to feel your anger, but it's how you express it and what you do with it is a problem. And that has a lot to do with the passive aggressive partner as well. So some people, you know, just can't admit they're angry. You know, and anger is one of the most basic emotions which touches all of our lives on one degree or another. And a person who's incapable of experiencing anger or not allowing themselves to experience it or certainly be at a disadvantage in trying to survive in the world. And when you can use it constructively, anger helps us to actually protect ourselves. And it motivates us to solve problems and to resolve conflicts with other people. It's an emotion that tells us that there's something wrong out there and we want to make it better. So sometimes, you know, with my clients, when they start feeling anger, I'm like, good for you. You know, sometimes it's appropriate to be pissed off. And again, if you use it in a good way, it'll motivate you to be assertive, and talk about the issue with whoever you're dealing with and make those changes. So again, it can be a really good thing. It can be a really positive 
thing in our lives. But so many of us have heard just the opposite message growing up. You know, how many times have you heard, don't be angry, or good people don't get angry, or healthy people don't show their anger? You know, or another one I've heard of is, you know, love and anger are opposite emotions, which really isn't true. <laughs> because a lot of times we're angry because we are so passionate about something. And then the classic line is, you know, if you loved me, you wouldn't be angry at me. That's a good one, which isn't true either. That's what we call, right? The hot thoughts, a thought that's not 100% true. And when someone says that to you, it makes you feel guilty. And then you might step back and not really address the problem. And the issue is now put on you because if you love me, you wouldn't be angry. And that's that, that's the passive aggressive stuff that the person did something. And now they're saying, well, if you love me, you wouldn't be angry. And now you're like, oh, is that right? Maybe I shouldn't be angry. And now we're not dealing with the issue. And that's how that's that jello nailed to the wall that they just kind of squirm out of things. So it's just really can be infuriating. And none of these statements I just said, you know, is compatible with emotional health. So the clue is to accept your anger and learn how to express it constructively. So passive aggressive is certainly aggressive behavior. And it is laden with anger underlying, although the passive aggressive person doesn't want to admit that. And it is a form of, you know, hostility and it's disguised as innocence and passivity, actually. And that's, again, why it's so hard to really understand what's going on. So this type of hostility is found frequently in relationships, especially troubled relationships. And because the passive-aggressive individual finds a convenient and available target for his or her anger in a partner is why it comes out in the relationships a lot. So even though passive aggression is expressed frequently in relationships, you know, this form of aggression is also seen between friends, at jobs, you know, it can be in any relationship really. And the passive-aggressive person usually will claim not to have any anger at all. But when anger is finally brought to the surface, it's usually blamed on the other person, right? So the partner they're with, the boss, the friend, whoever it is that they're blaming, and that person's accused of being controlling and demanding. So rather than the person acknowledging that his or her behavior, you know, is angry, right? The passive aggressive person plays on the excuse of being the misunderstood victim. And the other person is always the persecutor. So communication between partners in a passive aggressive relationship is usually blocked off, is distorted, and ultimately is very destructive to both people individually and to the relationship itself. So again, we're talking about this because sometimes we're stuck in a relationship and we just can't figure out what, you know, what is it that's really going on here? Because I feel bad, they don't seem to get it, and we want to understand more so we can learn and change, right? So the goal I always talk about in my podcast, and my intention is to leave you with some tools to making good changes. And as I'm talking, you know, remember the threads of CBT, which is the way that you think creates your moods, which affects your behavior and your physical reactions, and then your environment. And we're talking big time environment here, right? Because of the relationship itself, that's the environment. And the way people are thinking is really dictating the behavior a lot with the passive aggressive person. So the passive aggressive person will often show signs of being angry, but will never really say why they're angry. This leaves it up to the partner to guess at the reason, and this leaves the passive-aggressive person holding all the control. Sometimes the passive-aggressive person will provoke the partner for an angry response and then goes on to blame the partner for having a problem with the anger. I'm going to give you an example here. So say Mary has her parents over for dinner at 7, and John promised that he will be there. But when he shows up two hours late, claiming they had a last-minute meeting with a business client, 
and Mary dares to show justifiable anger at his behavior, John blames her for failing to support his work and for allowing her anger to be out of control. Why can't you just work with me when I have things to do, he might say, or why do I always have to put up with your anger? So you've got a real problem. You always need to be the one making the demands. I'm tired of the way you blow up at me for nothing. So John, of course, presents himself as the innocent victim, rather than looking into his own behavior, will project the blame onto Mary and make her the problem. And there you go. There's your example of passive aggressive, right? Instead of saying, I'm really sorry, or owning why he, you know, showed up so late or not letting her know, you know, now it turned out supporting him, which is not cool. <laughs> so how does a person get to be passive aggressive? This is really good stuff to understand and to know, especially, you know, you also, those listening, maybe you are the passive aggressive person and maybe this will hopefully give you some insight into your behaviors as well. So certainly we're taught from an early age not to express our anger in most families, not everybody, but many. But this hardly explains the severity of the problem in some people, but it is part of it. Most passive-aggressive people experience a conflict over dependency. So rather than going through the normal developmental sequence in childhood of separating from one's parents and then forming one's own identity with encouragement and support from the parents, which is what we're hoping to do, the passive-aggressive person has formed a dependent relationship with the parent who's never really supported the child's need to grow and experience life independently. The child continues to cling to the parent for support, which is never really forthcoming, and then simultaneously angry when the support for independence is never as consistent as it should be. So when the child tries to express anger, it's never validated. So he or she learns to hold overt expressions of anger for fear of damaging the dependent relationship with the parent. I know this all sounds a little complicated, but, you know, as a parent, we want to help our children express their feelings. We want to teach them to be independent and for us to be comfortable with them to do that. And when there's this dependency and the child feels like, I need to please that person and I want to be independent, but they don't really support that. I mean, it just can be really, really confusing. And I know a lot of us have probably been through that. So that's something to think about if this is a behavior that you're experiencing. So a child then learns ways of staying in control because you want to feel some control in your life and experience some measure of independence by expressing anger passively. That's where this all kind of is the root. And what better way to get back at another person than by being late for an appointment or never completing a promised project or pouting and never saying what the problem is or encouraging another person's need for closeness and intimacy and then never coming through. So these patterns are learned in childhood and then carried through to relationships in adulthood because we don't know any different unless we go get some help, right? That all of us learn ways to cope with our childhood and, you know, um, things that helped us manage our feelings or if things were difficult growing up. And then we leave that home, but we keep living the same way and we never stop to be like, oh, you know what? I'm not living under my parents' house anymore. I don't have to have these same behaviors because the situation is different, but nobody stops and tells us that until we start healing and possibly getting some help through therapy or maybe reading some books or, you know, hearing a good podcast and, you know, saying, oh, okay, that's what's going on. I need to decide how I want to be now as an adult and what are some of the coping mechanisms maybe I need to let go and learn some new stuff. So ultimately, passive aggressive people are both afraid of being alone and unable to achieve full independence as an adult. And nobody wants that, right? So. That is the conflict. They want dependence and they fear dependence. They want independence and they fear independence. 
A passive-aggressive partner fights dependence by trying to have control over you, and they're out of touch with their feelings and lack the tools for appropriately expressing emotions. So they're guarded and feel fragile emotionally. To let you into their world of feelings seems like a dangerous thing to them, so you're always kept at a distance, never to be trusted. Privately, they feel inadequate. They either feel that other people are controlling them, or they have to be in control of other people, one or the other. So obviously, you know, if you're passive aggressive or you have someone like that in your life, you know, this is not a happy person. Any relationship involves two people and both are responsible for its success for sure. So how does one get involved with the relationship with the passive aggressive person in the first place, usually without realizing it, right? The passive aggressive person can appear to be very attractive at first. After all, he or she is able to manage anger, right? They appear to be strong and capable on the surface. You know, they're loyal. They can you know, read your needs very well. When the passive-aggressive partner becomes a problem, you may even think about leaving the relationship, but you're always drawn back in again. After all, the passive-aggressive person, having never achieved full independence as an adult, ultimately fears being alone, right? And is very good at making sure the relationship continues. So when you get blamed for things, it may strike a right-sounding note if you struggle with your own guilt issues or have problems with your self-image. You may even have a need to take care of the other person who struggles with his or her own problems. And this is a perfect situation for the passive-aggressive individual who needs to form a dependent attachment to someone. So I hope this is all kind of making sense. It's even possible that you had a passive-aggressive parent or sibling, so that finding a partner with this pattern may seem like an easy transition, something you know well and you're good at it. If you are in a relationship with a passive-aggressive person, it's easy to complain at length about his or her behavior, but you also need to examine your part in the situation. What have you done to perpetuate the problem and what can you do to make things better? And that's the control that you have. So we always want to be looking at our part. You know, the passive aggressive relationships, as I said earlier, are really difficult to deal with, but help's available and change is definitely possible. So when you start to make the necessary changes in your relationship, the passive aggressive partner might fight you even more. But if you set firm limits and respect yourself, and honor yourself, the situation is likely to change for the better. There may not be a complete transformation, but your relationship can be much better. You know, we're always looking for progress, not perfection. So let's talk about what are some of the behaviors specifically regarding a passive-aggressive person. Some of them are obvious in ways in which a person expresses anger or aggression passively. Of course, a passive-aggressive person will display some of these behaviors only part of the time and show them some of them may not apply at all. So it depends on the person, what I'm going to share now. So one of the things is the person is laid and forgetful. So one of the traits of a passive-aggressive partner that's really difficult to tolerate is the person's tendency to be late for appointments or other scheduled events. Being late may reflect both the person's need to have the control in a situation and underlying feelings of inadequacy. And there's always an excuse like, oh, I forgot what time it was when the person wants to explain away his or her actions or avoid an obligation. So that's one thing. Um, another behavior is procrastination. So the passive-aggressive person will commit to a project or deadline and simply never get it done or else complete the task much too late. Other people who depend on the work being done, meanwhile, become really inferiorated. So when you're dependent on someone getting something done, right, that's really frustrating. Also, they might send mixed messages. The person seldom communicates clearly so that he or she can't be pinned down. So for example, you know, maybe somebody will say, you know, hey, we can go out for dinner Friday night. 
could be a plan or maybe just a suggestion or perhaps it's just a way to keep you guessing. If you make a definite plan to go out, then the person can come back and say, you know, I was just thinking out loud. And if you don't make plans, then you're blamed for never coming through. So you can feel a little crazy at times, right? Another thing is they can pout, sulk, and lie. So when the passive aggressive person fails to keep promises and is confronted, a common response is to sigh, to withdraw from interacting, to act as if they are being blamed unfairly. If they must give a response, there's often a fabrication of reality involved, and it is masterfully done. Open, constructive communication is virtually impossible when the other person is emotionally unavailable or deliberately distorting reality. And the last thing is feeling victimized. When you finally put your foot down and expect a firm commitment, then you're the one to blame for trying to be controlling and demanding, and the passive-aggressive person acts as if he or she is the helpless victim. So a couple things on how to deal with a partner like that, if you're wanting to work on it, because you really have two choices. You can either repair the relationship or you can end it. And here's some tips to use to deal with that. So first, it's important to recognize the problems in your relationship are stemming from passive-aggressive behavior. It's often helpful to enlist the help of a therapist who can really be more objective and assess the situation if you're not sure what's going on. You always want to look at your own behavior in the relationship to see what parts you might be playing and perpetuating your partner's passive-aggressive behavior, not taking responsibility for it, but again, looking at your part. So this might take a great deal of self-examination and then work to change your behavior if that's necessary. This might mean taking an entirely different approach on your part. You know, after all, what have you been doing in the past probably hasn't worked. So that goes back to what I was talking about is, you know, setting strong boundaries and really sticking with them. And understand what motivates your partner's passive-aggressive behavior and try not to be judgmental. Understand how your partner grew up, what anger means to him or her, and how your partner is actually fearful of being alone, expressing anger openly, and becoming intimate, which is really ultimately what you probably want. And that's what's so frustrating because you probably see this in your partner and you might see their potential, which is what keeps a lot of people in unhealthy relationships saying, I know they got potential. I'm just waiting for it to come out. You really need to set clear limits and explain to your partner that you want them to be responsible, to live up to their promises, to be more open. Then you have to constantly enforce these limits and take a sympathetic approach in doing this and try not to be vindictive or, you know, like an authority person in their life. And also last thing is, you know, sharing with your partner that expressing anger is acceptable and you're okay when it's done in a healthy way. Healthy couples might fight as much as those in unhealthy relationships but they fight fairly, and that's the difference. So you need to learn how to make an argument productive by using constructive communication techniques. That would be my podcast that's called You're Right and So Am I that talks about communication skills. And if your partner feels empowered, there will be no need for him or her to be passive-aggressive. It is a hard behavior to change, and it also takes a lot of honesty to really admit that that's what I'm doing because it's not very attractive. You know, and people can be ashamed and not want to think that that's what they're doing and and to really have to deal with the root of this fear, right, of being left alone, but, you know, not wanting to be dependent and wanting independence. And, you know, it's just it's a lot going on. So I'm not telling you that if you're a partner in this relationship, that it's your job to fix this person by any means. You can share with them information, but you need to set your limits and you need to decide what you can do regarding this relationship and if you want to work on it or if it's time to move on. 
And if you're the person that's passive aggressive, you definitely can change. And if you can, you know, take some of the insight that I shared today about, you know, where did this start and what's my fear that I have in my life about being close and sharing my anger. Some people that don't really express anger feel like if I really share it, I'm going to explode, you know, and I won't be able to contain it. Normally that's not true, but that's that fear because I don't let that out. So again, that's where, you know, finding a good therapist is really important to be able to process that. And using the CBT tools can really help you challenge those thoughts, figuring out, you know, which ones are hot. Is that true that if I do express my anger, I'm going to just lose it and blow my top? It's like, probably not. And to learn anger management. I mean, there's just so many great tools out there with the CBT that you can learn to change this behavior. And what are you, what are you learning to do is to be assertive, right? To be able to communicate your needs without the intention of changing the other person, but respecting and honoring yourself and being accountable as a person. So that, that would be the goal. And using the CBT tools, you'll be able to do that by understanding, you know, if my behavior is passive aggressive, what are my thoughts that are creating that behavior, right? Because remember, your thoughts create your moods, your behavior. So I need to step back and say, what is going on? Because if this behavior isn't working and it's ruining relationships or I'm losing jobs or my friends, you know, I need to stop and say, I need to really change because it doesn't matter the person, the relationship, it's just going to keep happening whoever you're in your life because your behavior is going to affect that. So I hope all of this was helpful and some clarity and, you know, please share with anyone you feel it would be helpful. And we're always, like I said, looking for progress, not perfection. You know, some of us, again, are more passive, some more aggressive, passive aggressive, but we all want to work on being assertive. You know, being passive aggressive is never a good thing. And I don't use that word often ever, but it just isn't. And you're not being true to yourself or the people that you care about in your life. So once again, thanks for sharing. Keep working on those tools. The CBT can change your life. You know, you deserve to be happy and to be in healthy relationships and be working towards the goals in your life. You deserve all of that, but it does take work. You know, we're always working on ourselves for our whole lives. It's not like we get there and we're done. Oh, good. I'm done. You know, I got my personal growth done. It's something, you know, I work on on a daily basis. So it's about maintenance, right? You want to just maintain that good place once you get there. So again, use these tools. You'll see a difference. I appreciate you taking the time again to listen to my podcast. And I will talk with you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of my CBT podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts if you haven't yet to subscribe, rate, and review. You can find me on Facebook at Dr. Julie Osborne, and you can also follow me on Instagram at my CBT podcast. Whoa. Whole Productions.